With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Today is Thursday. That is pre-Friday. That is also post-Wednesday or post-hump day. We have one more day to go this week unless you're an extremely lucky person and just don't have to work on Fridays. Or maybe you work from home on Fridays. Well, I guess we're all working from home on Fridays these days. So we've got a good show for you today. If you look at the notes that we put on the description of the show, we're going to talk about several things today. We're going to talk about several important events. Uh, Confederate monument removal is going to be a big topic. We're going to go deep into that and, and kind of talk about it and see whether or not we, as a country, are need that? How do we feel about that? How do the individuals feel about that? How do the people in those areas feel about that? Uh, Is it important for us to do that in order for the country to move forward and to continue to grow into what pretty much everyone in this country wants to be a one united America? Um, I tend to lean towards the yes side of that, and we'll get more into that as time goes on, and I'll tell you why I feel that way. And I think the way I feel that way matters, and it's important, and I think if you listen to that, you'll Maybe look at it differently for those of you listening to this show who don't believe they should come down. But, you know, stuff comes with that. There, there's a, an inherent responsibility that comes with taking those monuments down, where they put them, how they treat them, uh, to be sure they're still viewed by the public at large because they're important parts of the history. We're also going to talk about Joe Biden today. Now, Joe Biden, obviously, as we've been talking about on the show, and as I'm sure if you listen to the news, you now know. Joe Biden is the nominee for the Democrat Party. Not officially yet, but he will be because there's no one else running. So by default, he is the guy that they stand behind. How? I don't know. You know, I, I have mentioned this time many times, I'm not a big Donald Trump fan, and I'm not. But I'm even less of a Joe Biden fan. I just, I mean, this guy can't even get out of his own basement. Literally, there was a talk last night, and I wish I had a clip for you. And if, if I get more into the Joe Biden topic in the future, I'll play the clip for you. It was, it was one of his... Uh, Cohorts, one of his confidants, was was uh, on a CNN interview and got caught saying, 
Just leave Joe in the basement. He's fine in the basement. You know, you have a, a presidential nominee who a, a potential presidential nominee who won't even get out and meet and greet people, even with a mask on, even in the town hall setting, even outdoors where we know the coronavirus doesn't spread that far. It's a it's a cop out, man. It's a joke. It's it's someone doing everything they can. It's a party trying to hide their nominee because they know he's horrible. And even if you're a Democrat listening to that, you know he's horrible. He's the worst candidate you could possibly get. I mean, the guy's past is sketchy at best, and that's not because he's Democrat. That's just because he's a sketchy person. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a couple other things. But before we get started in today's show about all of the stuff we just went over, I want to take a moment to reflect on the last two weeks in our country. It's been a, a scary time, um, a worrisome time, a time never really before seen, at least in my generation, really never before seen to this level in any generation that I can think of or know of or have read about in history books. Now, you know, the history is written by the winner, so maybe there's things that were left out of that history that we haven't heard yet. I don't know, or we'll never hear. Um, one of the reasons why I support removing the Confederate statues from certain areas, but putting them into museums or the park so they can still be seen. And not because I'm a racist, which I'm sure some people will say. Some people won't bother to listen to this show to, 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 to understand why I'm coming up to that conclusion. That's not really here or there. I don't really care. The show's live. It's, it's anyone in the world can listen to it. So go from there. But it, what I want to say is that everyone has the right to live in peace. Everyone has the right to walk around and feel safe. And I don't think we're getting people saying that's not true. The vast majority, 99% of Americans feel that way. Everyone wants to be safe and feel safe. The color of your skin should never matter. You should never be pulled over for being black behind the wheel. You should never be murdered by a rogue cop in the street in front of dozens of witnesses on video. You should never be harassed for jogging while black. Everyone agrees with that. White, black, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Everyone agrees with that. So this isn't a white and black issue. This is a political issue, and it's a government issue, a local government issue, local and state government issue, but it's not a white and black issue. This is an American problem that needs to be handled in the way that America handles its problems. This is not something that falls on deaf ears. This is a reality in the country. Racial profiling does exist. It's a real thing, and it needs to end. However, defunding a police department, many of those that are in major cities, including inner cities, where many blacks live, who need the police, is just ridiculous. It makes zero sense, and it's dangerous. It's a dangerous way to think. By reducing or removing a police presence in the most needed neighborhoods in those cities, we'll do nothing more but continue to hurt the same population that is now calling for the removal of police. Communities at large want and need police officers. So how do we address this? Well, we address it by reform, by better training, more non-lethal means of subduing criminal elements, more police on the street for a stronger deterrent. We do this by removing the few bad cops out of the more than 800,000 currently under employment. We do not take money from police departments. We demand local governments the ones ultimately in charge of these cities currently under siege better spend the money they have received through local 
taxes, and federal government. Guys, these towns, Los Angeles County, Los Angeles City, Detroit, Chicago, Boston, New York City, they are the ones, those, those officials, those government officials are the ones that receive money from not just you and me from taxes, but also from tourist dollars, from sales tax, from the federal government in, in form of grants and regular annual payments. Where is that money going? How come these cities, all that I just mentioned, are virtually bankrupt? All, I might add, are run by Democratic local and state officials, which really should be here nor there. It shouldn't matter what political party you belong to in any of this. You should just manage the money properly. If you have, if you and I know we make, say, 4000 bucks a month, and our rent is, say, 1500 we know that we have $2,500 a month left after that. And no more, not a penny more. I don't buy first-class plane tickets because I simply can't afford them. I don't have the money for it. I fly coach, and usually towards the rear of coach, too, by the way. But local governments are in charge of this, the ones who can, you consistently elect, knowing that you're going to get much of the same, which is nothing. It's time they are held liable, and it's time – the piper comes due for them. You can bet the only reason they want to defund the police is because they were and are in severe financial trouble, not from economic shutdown or looting, but from decades of lining pockets and mismanaging funds. These cities have been in financial turmoil for decades. This is not new. They've been constantly shuffling and shifting money around trying to hide the reality that the reason why these social programs they claim they need to pay for from police money is really because they had the money for social programs to begin with, and they reduced the amount of social programs and spent that money elsewhere and did other things with it. This is an out for them. It's political pandering. It's a cop-out, and it's an excuse to hide their own dirty deals and dirty deeds. Instead of raising taxes in cities, the local governments and mayors know are taxed to the hill, taking money from police or, you know, the people that protect you and your family and businesses would help hide the fact that they really have nowhere else to get money for so-called social programs. These are the same programs that have been getting federal dollars for decades. Instead of defunding the police, you should ask those leaders where all the money went. I bet you won't get an answer. But for the same reason, the color of your skin does not give you the right to discriminate. The color of your skin also does not give you the right to destroy cities by looting and burning them to the ground. It destroys everything inner cities have strived to create for decades. And now a lot of those businesses that service the inner cities and have been doing so for decades, have built their businesses around inner cities, no longer exist, and will not be coming back. So now what? The riots didn't solve any problems. It just created many more, putting inner city neighborhoods back to the 1950s and erasing 60 years of progress. Why would any business come back to an area knowing that at any time it could be burned to the ground? You know, I was watching 
I want to say MSNBC the other day and was talking about Target. Target has closed several locations in the Chicago area on the south and west side of Chicago because of the riots and the looting. Not the protesting. Let me be clear. It wasn't because of the protesting. Protesters don't riot and loot. It was because of the rioters and looters that took advantage of the situation. And because of those rioters and looters, Target has announced that it will probably not be reopening those stores. So everyone from those cities and towns that were employed by Target, making a wage, having insurance, getting discounts from Target because they were employees, where are they going to go work now? They can't go down to the pizza shop because the pizza shop was burned to the ground. But I bet one thing, I bet you this much, I bet for all of the the Planned Parenthood locations that were torched and burned down, I bet those will be back up and running, all with your local and state tax dollars. It's frustrating to see the shape of the economy in the world right now. The economy is bouncing back. There's evidence to that everywhere. The United States technically is in a recession. You can read all about that on telegraphlocal.com, but it will be bouncing back very soon. And, and you can't – obviously, you can't blame – the fact on a recession to the federal government. This was a national lockdown, one that, according to most Democrats, said should have been done earlier. Imagine how worse this would have been financially had it been, had it been done earlier. Imagine how much more work we would have to do to come back from the shutdown. Now, we talked yesterday on the show about uh, – or excuse me, Tuesday on the show about – the real damage from the shutdown economically, but just not economically from depression and ruined marriages and alcoholism and drug abuse. And, and I could go on the litany. I could go on this topic for hours. I don't want you to just go back and listen to Tuesday's show uh, on the ninth and you can hear all about that. But it's important that we look back on what happened while it's still fresh in our minds and understand that we can't do it again and why we can't do it again. That includes the, the shutdown, the, the, the financial shutdown, the lockdown, the riots, the looting. Last couple of months, 2020 has been a hell of a freaking year. This was supposed to be the best year since 1920, the 100-year itch. But it's been nothing of the sort. It's been a nightmare. So I'm hoping it gets better. I know there's stuff going on in Seattle right now. We're not going to talk about that on this show. We will talk about that on Monday's show. Monday we will be back to normal. I won't be uh, – when I go to the beach on Sunday, I promise I won't get burnt to a crisp. I don't think I can now. I'm a lot American Indian, so I have dark complexion to begin with, and so I rarely get burned. But i got to be honest with you. I hadn't been out in the sun in like six months, so it torched me. Um, and that's why I was unable to stay on, on, the, uh, on the schedule this week. Uh, I guess you can call it medical reasons. That's my reason, medical reason. Anyway, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to come back and talk about removing the Confederate statues. And is it good? Is it bad? Is it the right thing to do? Is it the right time to do it? And if they were removed, where would we put them? Where would they go? So we'll be back in about 60 seconds. Uh, please stay tuned. Come back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local. 
telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. commercial break. I try not to make the commercial breaks that long. We do have new advertisers now, uh, which you may have heard at the beginning of the show and now in the middle of this show, uh, but we try to keep it reduced because this show is more about information than it is advertisers, but advertisers are what keeps us going. It's what pays us and allows us to pay the bills. So there are advertisements now. My apologies for that, but I may also say that they're not going to stop. Anyway, guys, welcome back to Telegraph Local's new podcast, Unredacted. We were just talking about uh, a lot in the beginning of the show, and I'm not going to recap it, but um, if you're just tuning in now, go back to the beginning of the show for 15 minutes. You might like what you have to see. Right now, we're going to move into this whole Confederate statue debate, and it's a big one. And it's one, I think, worthy of debate. I think it's one worthy of action. It's important that we try as Americans, as communities, to peacefully figure out what we can do to get past this current uh, hump for lack of better words, that we're in. What can we do to continue to move forward just like we have been for the last several hundred years? What can we continue to do that? What works? There are a lot of things that do work. One very important one right now is about Confederate statues. Look, I think Confederate statues are important, and I'm going to tell you why now. But let's get into it. The debate, once again, has come back to reality. The argument seems to flare up every presidential election cycle as a go-to for political talking points and political gain. Four years ago, and four years before that, and four years before that, the removal of Confederate statues throughout the South is once again on the table. I classify this as political talking points and political action simply because it comes just once every four years. Those four years happen to always coincide with the presidential election. But let's take a deep look. Should they, in fact, be removed from areas like Richmond, Virginia's Monument Avenue? For those of you in the country that have seen Monument Avenue, you can see why it is so beautiful. Not because of the statues, but because of the sheer appeal of the neighborhood itself. It's cobblestone-lined streets. It's streets that are lined with southern-style antebellum homes, mainly brick. The lawns are very much manicured and is considered an upper-scale area of the city. In fact, it has been a center point of tourism in Richmond, Virginia areas and brings in tourism dollars much needed for a small southern town. I am very familiar with Richmond, Virginia. Um, as I said um, in the beginning of the show, I grew up in the south. 
So I get it. Um, I can get both sides of that, and we'll get more into that. But the statues remind Americans of a pivotal time in the country's history. In fact, several of the statues, including Arthur Ashe, a black tennis star who died of AIDS more than 30 years ago. I think the question here is, will Historic Monument Avenue still be as beautiful with the statues replaced or removed? My answer is yes. I do not believe that statues alone solely represent what Monument Avenue looked like 150 years ago, nor do I believe the beauty of the street will be harmed beyond repair by removing these statues. Richmond, Virginia's Monument Avenue is one of the most concentrated streets in the country with Confederate soldiers' statues. One of the most concentrated, if not deconcentrated. And I guess I probably should have looked that fact up before we got on there, and I think I will after I get off. Um, and that's why it's under such debate right now, because it is what many feel as though it's the premier um, street to where such a huge collection of these monuments exist. Look, I grew up in the South. I understand Southern people. I spent the first 20-some years of my life in the South. At this point in my life, I've spent half of that time in the South with Southern people and the other half in the North. I get it. I understand the argument. By spending time, a lot of time, in the South and growing up under Southern traditions, but then spending the other half of my life in the North in cities like New York, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Boston – I get the argument they have as well. And I'm going to throw something in there, too. I don't know how many of you guys are from Boston or if you've been to Boston. If you've ever been to South Boston, it's a pretty racist place. I got to admit. Got to admit. Way more than I think Richmond, Virginia is. I think Richmond, Virginia, people assume Richmond, Virginia is racist because it was at one point in time happened to be the capital of the South. Like, like people in Richmond could somehow choose that. Like it wasn't the local governments that choose it. It was the people that choose it, and it wasn't. It wasn't the people that choose it. I think you'll find some of the nicest people in the world down there. Do I think Southern figures and traditions should be remembered? Yes, of course I do. We all should. We all should want those figures and those traditions to be remembered, not because it's racist, but I believe history is important, and I believe history is what ensures countries do in order to not relive the negatives from the past. I think these statues deserve to be remembered. I feel the people these statues represent deserve to be remembered as they are a part of this country's history. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing with the history. It's about remembering the history. No one's talking about destroying these statues. That's not the case. We need to remember that. This isn't the, the local government. As much as people may disagree and as many as people, many, as, as well as many people might agree to this, they didn't say we're going to take the statues down and destroy them. In fact, the reality of it is taking the statues down is, is safer. It keeps them from vandals and looting. It keeps them from being defaced. And at the same time, it, it, it appeases one side of the argument that they should be taken down. So these statues should be placed in other locations, such as parks or museums, where they can be visited by hundreds in 400 of years to come, as well as the history of those figures be told for hundreds of years to come. There is no difference in visiting a park or museum as opposed to a street. In fact, I think these statues would be much better taken care of indoors, safe from weather, and in a controlled environment, not to mention the constant defacing of them. 
For those of you who do not support the statues being removed, think of it this way. The statues are still there. You can still go see them. But you can go see them in climate-controlled environments or in quiet parks. There's no difference between seeing them on a street or seeing them. There, there's, there's Monument Avenue is a very busy street. Where can you better enjoy those monuments? On a street from a distance or in a park up close or in a museum up close? For those of you that do want to see those monuments taken down, that should be happy for you as well. You get what you wanted. You get the monuments taken down. So the reality of it is, if you look at this in the proper contents, it's not creating a problem for people in the South who want those monuments to stay up because it's part of their history. The monuments are staying up, and it's still part of the history. They're just staying up somewhere else. And I have a hard time believing the beauty of Richmond, Virginia's Monument Avenue would be destroyed or somehow defaced by leaving those monuments up. In fact, by leaving them up, I think it defaces them more because they get vandalized all the time. There's always spray painting on them. There's always thing on them. This, this way, you don't have to enjoy them driving 25 miles an hour. You can enjoy them standing zero miles per hour. Makes sense to me. But I guess my next question is, what would replace it? What would be a fair replacement for these monuments? Or should they even be replaced at all? My concern is what will come after the removal process. Will this be a one-sided, black-only monument avenue? Or will both sides of the aisle in Richmond's Democrat-controlled state be able to work together with the Republicans and the community as a whole to find a suitable solution? This isn't a time for tit for tat. This is a time for the adults in the room to stand up and start working together for one united America. If the country no longer wants America to be about skin color, as some claim, now is the time to do so. Will these monuments come down and never be replaced with anything? Will the pedestals that these monuments stood on come down and be replaced by something? Or will they... Will the pedestals go to the museums along with the monuments they once held? Or will this become a time for tit for tat to where you start putting sports players up there, all of one color? Or will this be a monument avenue that enjoys all colors, all creeds, all walks of life? That's my question. We already have Arthur Ashe up there, which was a great tennis player, by the way. I, when I was a kid, I loved tennis, and I remember watching him uh, before he passed away. I remember him watching him afterwards on VHS tapes. One side of my family was very much into tennis, and he was a hell of a player, and he deserves his monument on Monument Avenue. But the monuments that will, will be coming down very soon also deserve a place in history as well. Maybe not on the street, but in a museum or in a park, and they shouldn't be defaced either. If you want one side of the country – well, allegedly one side, which is not – if you want one argument to be respected, you have to respect the other side of the argument. So think about that. We're going to have to do a quick commercial break, guys. When we get back, we're going to talk about Joe Biden and his, uh, his questionable and very sketchy past. And this is a past that even the Democrats know. This is not hidden. CNN even slammed him not too long ago few months ago for this. We're going to take a quick commercial break, guys. We'll be right back in about nine.
This podcast is brought to you by Telegraph Local, telegraphlocal.com, the web's only real opinion-free breaking news platform. At Telegraph Local, our team reports and delivers real facts for real reporting. In this day and age, facts are extremely important. Facts matter. Real news matters. The only real place to find these facts is on telegraphlocal.com. So if you, like many, many, many others, are tired of the same misconstrued reality of the world and of the current aggressive political landscape, come on over to telegraphlocal.com. We'd love to have you. Read, comment, share. Telegraph Local, your opinion-free news headquarters. should be a short commercial break. Actually, that was less than 90 seconds. Congratulations. Well, hopefully, depending on what other commercials are run during that spot. So we're at a, at a place where Joe Biden is it. He is the man for the Democratic Party. Yay! Wonderful. This could be good or bad news for the Democrat Party. And I think all in all, I think, I think they think as well, or no, that's probably not the best news. They might as well put Hillary Clinton up to run against um, Trump again. Uh, as I've said on the show many times, I'm not a huge Trump fan. He is the president. I do respect that. But I think there's a lot of things Trump has done wrong. I also think there are some things Trump has done right. The economy um, and several other things. Uh, um, this is not a show to debate that, although that is coming up, I think, in about uh, six episodes from now. The closer we get to the election cycle, we're going to do both sides of it. But I think there is some important information that you may not be hearing about Joe Biden and his nearly 50 years, 40 years in the political landscape that you should hear. Now that Joe Biden is the Democratic presidential nominee, I thought to better understand who he is as a person, I should take a look at his political background. This way I could not just try to decide if he was, in fact, a better candidate than his incumbent, but also pass on what I learned through my research to you, the listeners. And this is what I found. Like I was actually thinking about voting for Joe Biden, and I still very well may vote for Joe Biden. I don't know yet. Tom will tell. It will depend on his VP pick and what I hear between now and the election. But it's important also to understand a lot of times what politicians say are not actually what they do, and that's on both sides of the fence, whether you're Republican or Democrat. When it comes to politics, the old ad is you got to say what you got to say to get what you got to get comes into mind with me. And that comes into play. You know, politicians are liars. They're professional liars. That's what they do. The important thing for you to decide is whether you think some good will come out of those lies. And I think the general populace as a whole is beginning to understand how politics really works, especially with the last couple of weeks of the rioting and, and the looting and all that. But this is what I found. Biden has run for president twice before. And he was never successful. And he ran against people a lot less, um, how can I put this, audacious than Donald Trump. Donald Trump is, as much as you may hate the guy, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal risk taker. And he knows what to say and when to say it. The way he says it, might not come across that well, that well, 
But he's not a dumb guy. Donald Trump is by far not a stupid guy. And you've got to make sure that you have the brains and the ability and the audacity to be able to beat him. You know, to beat Trump, you've got to be like Trump. At least that's my opinion, and I think that's the opinion of many people. He has spent five decades, almost five decades in public life. When Biden was a young senator, he wrote some letters. What is in these letters, I feel, speaks volumes for who he is and shows exactly not just who the Democratic Party really is, but why they have backed him so strong. In Joe Biden's early years in the Senate, he strongly opposed mandatory school busing designed to desegregate schools. This is back in the 60s during desegregation. This was an attempt for black children to receive more equitable education standards. He supported desegregation, but not school busing. He claimed in a letter obtained by Telegraph Local, my bill strikes at the injustice of court order busing. It prohibits the federal courts from disrupting our education system. He actually he claimed that he was supporting desegregation. And he voted for desegregation, but then he tries to pass a bill twice, and we'll get into that, to keep busing from happening. In other words, taking kids out of the areas, their neighborhoods, where they weren't getting the best schooling and taking them into predominantly white schools, you need a school bus. You need a transportation system to get them there. And he not just disagreed with that. He had a bill that he was trying to get signed into law to keep busing from happening. So, yeah, I agree. This is, this is how he looked at it. Yes, I agree with desegregation, but I don't agree with how we can get them there. So if you agree with desegregation and then you disagree with how to get them there, doesn't that make somebody start to think and wonder, do you really agree with desegregation, or did you just do that and say that to go with the status quo? Because it seems to me if you agree with desegregation, you would agree with a way to get them to school. So if that family doesn't have a car, there's no way to get them to the schools that they are now legally allowed to go to. He claimed it was, uh, it was federal Federal law that would not let you interfere with education. But if that's the case, then how come federal law interfered with desegregation? In fact, he sought and received support for this bill from Mississippi's Democrat Senator James Eastland. Now, I implore you to Google James Eastland. Please do this. You will love what you read. James Eastland was a vocal supporter of segregation who often referred to blacks as, and I quote, an inferior race, unquote. Joe Biden tried to push his anti-busing bill into law on several occasions, the last being 1978, which just happened to be the year I was born. So Joe Biden voted for desegregation. Then he tried to pass a bill to keep the same exact people he was trying to get desegregated from getting to the same schools that they needed to go to in order to get the, quote, better education afforded to other, at that time, white children, which now obviously is no longer the case. And he believed in it so strong, he actually got one of the most racist senators in the world, Mississippi Senator James Eastland, to support that bill. Why would he support one aspect of something but fight so hard to ensure that there was no way to be sure desegregation 
would be accomplished. You should really think about that if you're thinking about voting for Joe Biden. Now you can say, oh, that was 40 years ago. That was so long. People change. Okay, fair enough. In 1994, Joe Biden supported the 1994 crime bill that put more black men in prison than at any other time in American history. Unless you want to, of course, count slavery, which was also brought about by the Democrat Party, I might add. Democrats tout how much they want to have criminal justice reform. But the funny thing, they only tout this in an election year when they do not have any time to pass it. Yet they, including Joe Biden, were the ones to press for a crime bill that ensured criminal justice reform, but only happened one-sided, and that was not positive for the black community. This is your Democratic nominee. So if the Democrats aren't, aren't a, a pillar of racism, as they claim the Republicans are, how come these are the people they put forth so hard to be the president of the United States? Ask yourself that question. I think your own mind needs to answer that question. That's something you need to figure out for yourself. You need to ask these questions. That was in 1994. Right, it wasn't so long ago, was it? <clears throat> as, uh, as VP under the first black president, Joe Biden had the opportunity to change this. He had the ability to put forth legislation to change the crime bill. He, nor than President Barack Obama, did not, did nothing. Yeah, they pardoned a few people here and there, and just for you know, pretty much publicity's sake. But they didn't do anything to really overturn the mass incarceration problem in our jails and prisons today. Nothing. Nothing. Please find something that they did to do. And send me an email. I mean, I get plenty of them after these shows. So send me an email highlighting it with real facts and a link I can go check out. Because if that's the case, we'll talk about it. We could also pull in other so-called off-the-cuff comments, such as his comment about only Indians working at 7-Eleven, quote-unquote, or that Senator Obama was, quote, a clean and cut black man, unquote. Or the most recent, if you did not vote for me, you ain't black, unquote. So your argument about, oh, you know, the desegregation thing was 40 years ago. The crime bill was 30 years ago, 20-some years ago. But what about the recent stuff? He was VP up until... Four years ago? Five, what, four, almost four years ago now he was VP? And he had eight years, eight years to change things, to be the Joe Biden he's trying to claim he is right now. But he didn't. Anytime he gets the opportunity, he doesn't do it. He says he wants to, and he says he supports it. But he doesn't take the opportunity that he has, many of them, by the way. He said many of them, to do anything. He just touts about how he wants to do these things in an election year. This is important. It's important right now for where we are as a country. Race is a big deal right now. Do you really want to worry about putting someone in the White House that you and I both know isn't going to do a damn thing about it? Come on, this past shows perfectly. I must add to this, it took a Republican president, President Trump, to virtually overturn that crime bill, which led to the mass release of thousands upon thousands of black Americans into society from the rules and laws that made up that 1994 crime bill. Not only that, it will forever prevent other black men from going to jail 
as they once had and once did under the 1994 crime bill. Guys, when you go to vote in November, make sure you do your research. Vote for the right person. This election season, we have an economy that's being rebuilt. We do have a president that rebuilt it the first time and created an all-time low unemployment rate of around 3% for black Americans and all Americans at that point. And it's in the toilet right now. It really is. It's in the toilet for obvious reasons because we had to shut the entire economy down. Well, it turned out to be uh, a foe. Nothing about well, why we had to shut that, that virus. We did not have to shut the economy down for that virus. We were scared into shutting that economy down for a virus. We were scared into sitting in our own homes because of a virus that a couple months later we realized there was no need for it. Scare tactics. Does that sound familiar? Scare tactics just sound really familiar. Anyway, guys, we're out till Monday. Thanks a lot. Please go to telegraphlocal.com for additional show notes and information about the stuff we talked about today. The link is on the podcast, or just type in telegraphlocal.com, or just go to Google and put in Telegraph Local. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, although we don't really use Twitter that much. Um, Read our news. You'll like it. Share our news. Check it out. Remember, we're ad-supported, so the more you read, the longer we can stay open. Until Monday, guys, stay safe. Have some fun this weekend. It's going to be nice weather. Spend some time with your families. We'll see you Monday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.